I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. Paying for college shouldn't be the hardest part of higher education. Hi, it's Rena Ninen, co-host of the Ask Lisa podcast. I recently spoke with U.S. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona about FAFSA, the free application for student aid. Did you know you can apply for financial aid today and you'll get a response within one to three days? Check out our show notes to the link for the full interview on our Ask Lisa podcast YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe for the latest videos from Lisa and me. That's the Ask Lisa podcast YouTube channel. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting now in the midst of a pandemic. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 35, Sexy Social Media. Where should I draw the line? I got my first vaccine. Yay! I'm so so glad. I'm so glad for you, Rena. It is so emotional. I'm so excited and I want to go somewhere. I'm ready. I know. I know. I actually, I often say to my husband, I wish we had a place we were going, something to do. It's pretty, pretty boring still. I know. I know. I would love to head over to Biza or somewhere in Europe. I know the COVID (laughs) rates are pretty high at this point. Yeah. Um, Oh, man. We'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Looking forward to it. And and on the subject of of pent-up energy that needs to be released, (laughs) we we got this letter from a mom talking about her daughter's social media. And it says here, hello, I have a 14-year-old girl, 14 this summer, who during quarantine watched a lot of online YouTube and TikTok and started trying out new clothing styles, dance moves, makeup, She now posts TikTok where she's lip syncing to suggestive lyrics, dancing and twerking and showing cleavage. When I tell her that her posts are too sexy, she shoots back with, don't sexualize me. I've told her I'm worried about the message she may be sending out and that she doesn't want the wrong message to go to the wrong people. I tell her I want to keep her safe, but she says this is just her style and not to worry. She says that everyone she knows is doing what she's doing and I'm overreacting. Help. Is this common? Do you hear this from other parents? All day and all night. (laughs) It is so common. It is so common right now. I think it was before the pandemic. And then in the context of the pandemic, 
TikTok has become, you know, this space where kids spend huge amount of time doing exactly what this this listener describes. Remember you once told me, like, as kids were going through puberty, I was saying one parent told me, like, it's just not normal to not be around people you're attracted to to actually see them. And you said that it does something in the brain, like just when you're seeing them. Do you think that the fact that we're so isolated has this phenomenon of, of just kind of being on TikTok and wearing suggestive things has, has gotten worse? I do, actually. Really? I do. And, and I'm so cautious, Rena, normally about like blaming social media for everything. Yeah, you I are. usually don't do it. But I will tell you that this is one of those things I can see so many different sides on this. So on one side of it is the fact that kids have been um, – you know, away from each other and distanced, and they are desperate, they're addicted to their friends, as we say. And so TikTok becomes like a town square, you know, to see other teenagers, to be seen by other teenagers and tweenagers. And it makes so much sense to me. It makes so much sense to me that they would want to spend a lot of time there seeing and being seen. And then on the flip of it, TikTok's complicated. It is a huge platform as teenagers say to me, TikTok has many sides, right? So there's mm. sort of the benign kind of playful, like TikTok dances that are not at all sexual or like barely sexual and cute and funny. And then there is a much more, you know, for lack of a better word, provocative side to it or performative side around, you know, kind of mimicking adult sexuality. Mm. And then it can, you know, I think get quite a bit... Um, you know, more, t I, I, I hate using these sort of sexually judgmental words, but I think what we would often call like tawdry, you know, from there. And so it's taken up space in kids' lives that normally would have been filled by seeing real kids in real time and being at school and getting to and from school and going to after school activities. Yeah. And I don't think we've actually fully wrapped our arms around what that means. Why do you think they do it? Is it for attention? Yes. Actually, the answer to that is yes. And and I think, again, if you if you walk up to this question as having many sides, there's the view from the parent side and there's the view from the kid side. So the view from the parent side, which comes through in this letter, is you see your kid who may be like 12, 13, 14. So a, a kid, I mean, 12-year-olds are seventh, you know, seventh yeah. graders making videos that look to you really, really inappropriate and really, really sexual. And it's hugely uncomfortable for most parents to see their daughter, usually it's the daughter, playing at this adult sexuality, and especially when she's got a body to match, right, mm -hmm. which definitely can happen by 12, 13, 14. Mm -hmm. So that's the parent side. Okay, the kid side is a very different view of the same behavior. So the kid side is... Everyone I know is doing this, which is really actually in this case not untrue. I mean, it really is quite typical that this is how kids are, you know, spending time on TikTok and what they're making on TikTok is stuff in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I'm 12, 13, 14. My universe is built around worries about being disconnected from kids, wishes to be popular, wishes to have a broad social network. I'm watching kids make this stuff and getting lots and lots of attention or becoming TikTok famous, as they say, you know, somehow ma making something that catches, you know, people's imaginations and blows up. I'm watching them do things I could do. 
So I'm going to try to do the same things to see if I can get a whole lot of attention, a whole lot of likes. And maybe, you know, you can, I don't know if you remember seventh grade, like maybe in a seventh grader's like, you know, daydreaming life, and maybe I can become TikTok famous, which mm. if you think about it, like it's sort of um, crack for seventh graders, right? Yeah, <laughs> like the, totally the, right. the totally fantasy right. of becoming TikTok famous. Yeah. And they don't get the sexual piece. They don't. They have a very thin understanding of what sexuality is. T- tell me that a little bit more. What is it? Like the parents get it. We understand what's happening. Why don't they get it? Because they're twelve and thirteen, and they're really, really concrete in their thinking. You know, one yeah. of the things that we have, you know, established ages ago in psychology. It's Jean Piaget is the is the psychologist who really laid this out. Is that kids' thinking develops in a very stepwise fashion, and up until about age 12, 13, and usually mid even 14, it doesn't matter how smart they are, they're really concrete. They really cannot see things from multiple perspectives. They can't spin ideas around and view them in many ways. And so at 12 and 13, they're like, no, everybody I know is doing it. And it looks really cool when they do it. And they get a lot of attention when they do it. And so I want to do it. I mean, and, and they can be brilliant kids, but they still are thinking in that way. And they really, both because of the concrete nature of their thinking and also the lack of life experience, they don't understand the sexual nuances. They don't understand the messages that can be picked up from what they are doing. They can't really, I mean, just to put the rubber on the road, they can't really put themselves in the mind of some creepy teenager or male adult and understand how the messages they're sending could be read. They don't have the cognitive capacity to do that, but we parents do, and it really makes us uncomfortable. So what works to get through to them at this point and at this age? I think the place to start is to really understand how hugely normed this is. And what I mean by that it is so common for kids to know kids doing it, know, you know, see, like they can literally see millions of these online. And so even though as a parent, we might see our kids' video and be like, what the what, right, at that, if we are like, what are you doing? This is so strange. Honestly, Rita, it would be the equivalent of somebody coming up to you or me and being like, wait, you're drinking coffee? Like, really? Like, why do you do that? I mean, you know, it's a behavior that, like, we don't even give a second thought to. We do it all day long. Everybody we know does it. And so in terms of what works, the first and most critical thing to actually get the ball rolling is to actually try to stand in that kid's shoes and see it from their perspective. Because if we roll up with our judgy, horrified, you're doing this very strange thing perspective, we've already lost them. We've already tanked the conversation. Mm. That's so fascinating. I'm curious about parents of boys. What Mm. conversation should we be having about this too, right? Okay, so (laughs) this is so complicated, Rita. It gets to an issue that I'd I'd actually almost rather not bring up, but we have to, which is the comments. So one thing that happens when TikToks are public 
And if you have a fantasy of having a, you know, becoming TikTok famous, your TikTok is public, is then anyone can comment on the videos. And so one thing that is hugely disturbing and not at all unusual is that girls will put up videos that are either pretty sexy or the videos may not even be that sexy, but maybe the girl has a really well-developed body and they will get really, really creepy comments about their bodies, really sexual stuff, really nasty stuff. And it's not clear who they're coming from. What I understand from asking teenagers about this is some of it may be guys their age, some of it may be older guys. So you actually have two things going on here at once. You have an image of a child or a young teenager or maybe an older teenager girl that is potentially able to be seen as sexualized. So there's that issue. And then you have an entire narrative of raunchy comments being made about that girl, about that body, about her sexuality. And so I do think, I'm like, what does this mean to the 13, 14, 15-year-old boy who's looking at this, or maybe 12-year-old? And what would a parent do with that? So I think the answer here is, again, understand how normed it is, right, that this kid's probably seen millions of these. And first step always in these conversations is to say, so, buddy, what do you think of this? And get him talking. What do you think of the video you're looking at? And what do you think of the comments? So don't go into the lecture. Start off with, hey, so what do you think about that? That's a line I might have to start using. Hey, what do you think about that? I do, but actually, I I love that we're playing with this because I think... I would tweak how you say that. I would have you say, like, uh, I saw this video on TikTok. Like, um, what do you think? And what I would do is I would put in a question mark that makes it clear that we as adults are not 100% okay with this. Because if we're too cool about it, it actually weirds kids out. Like, at some level, even if it's norm, norm, norm like crazy, they still are like, Uh, that's a pretty, you know, like, that's a lot of cleavage. And those are hugely inappropriate comments from people um, who may be creepy middle-aged guys. I mean, like, you know, who knows? So I think we always want to, when we open the door to these conversations, we want to walk this line of being curious, like truly curious, like we want to hear what they have to say, but also just inserting a little bit of, as an adult, I've got my questions. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa podcast. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herb squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash asklisa. EarthBreeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, 
But instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it. And they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. So Lisa, when you talk about starting the conversation, is this how you think we should begin? But just saying, hey, what do you think about that? I do, actually. I do. Because you want to know what your kid thinks. Right? So if... Wow. I got to stop you there for a second. You want to know what your kid thinks. I have never thought, I want to know what my kid thinks. All I know (laughs) is I know what I think and I know what needs to be done and end a story. I know. I know. And that's how we do a lot of parenting. And actually, in a lot of parenting situations, that works really well. Like, I don't really care what my kid thinks about whether or not they want to set the dinner table. Like, not interesting to me. Like, go set the dinner table. So I'm certainly not on the side of saying, like, every conversation needs to be like, so tell me, how do you feel about (laughs) doing your chores? Um, But in this one, the overarching aim for those, you know, talking to your daughter or son about this, whether they're making the stuff or just watching it or all of the above, is to try to keep the lines of communication open. Because it is so complicated, you're going to need to have a lot of conversations about this over time. So even though you don't know where the conversation's going, and even though you may have a giant agenda for this conversation, giant agendas close down lines of communication. And so what you want to do is to just open the line and say, okay, so tell me what you think about this. And see yourself as an anthropologist. See yourself as someone who has stepped into the world of TikTok. It is a strange and unfamiliar world, but you're going to use your good anthropological training to just be curious and try to see it the way they see it. Try to understand what they make of it. You don't have to stay there forever, but no guidance you give is going to work 
if they are like, um, you don't understand us, you don't understand our culture, you don't care about our culture, mm-hmm. you are just riding in with your opinion. I never thought about looking at parenting through the lens of an anthropologist. Like I'm thinking Jane Goodall and all those gorillas and everything that she worked for um, in understanding them and forming a connection and a bond with them. Exactly. That's actually a pretty good model if you think about um, how we want to enter these things. And it's not that we stay there indefinitely and are just like, wow, it's fascinating. And now tell me about this super raunchy comment. I'm so curious. I mean, like we don't stay there forever, but it's how we begin. And then once we begin that way, we'll get indications about what to do next. So let's imagine you say to a, you know, 14, 15 year old boy, like, uh, wow, I just saw this TikTok video. Like, what do you think about it? And he says, I'm just going to make up two things he could say. He says, I don't know, I think it's kind of sexy, but I also think the comments are really inappropriate. You know, like that's the kind of thing that you know, one could reasonably expect. So now you have two different things you can start to unpack. One is, what do we think about girls and women's rights to display and portray themselves any way they like? You know, is that deep? Like do, you're talking to a 12 or 13-year-old is can, can you have that conversation now? Is it old, you're old enough? Like, that's pretty well, deep. 12 and 13-year-olds? Probably not. Right? I mean, again, because super concrete. But this yeah. is what's cool. 15, 16, 17-year-olds, now yeah. you're in business. And the 14-year-olds are really in a bridging place. So I would say with 15, 16, 17-year-olds, sons and daughters, there's a whole deep conversation, which, believe me, they are really ready to have of, you know, basically what this kid said in the in the letter, like, don't sexualize me where they're like, you're the one who's seeing the sex in this. I'm not seeing the sex in this. I'm just having a good time with my friends. And the problem is in the eye of the beholder, not the beheld, right? So this is a huge, complex thing that, again, there is no right answer. There's no end to this conversation, but it's a conversation worth having, right? Yeah, yeah. But then there's the second part of the comments. So there's a concrete version of this, and there's a sophisticated version of this. So I think the concrete version, which as the parent of a boy or girl, you can say, whatever else happens, you should never, ever comment in a way that is mean, Mm -hmm. sexualized, Mm -hmm. cruel, provocative. Like, you cannot do that. Like, that is is a line, right? Like, that's a line I draw. Like, I don't care what you see. I don't care what you think of what you see. You conduct yourself in the comments as though... We are watching as though grandma and grandpa are watching, as though the family mm-hmm. priest or rabbi is watching. I yeah. think that's a really good line to draw. That's good. Pretend like grandma and grandpa are watching. Yeah. Parents sometimes don't put the fear of God in them, but the grandparents, there's like a different <laughs> connection there that, that changes the scale on some level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, so what do you say is peak age for this kind of TikTok stuff where you really need to make sure you have this conversation by Certainly, it will be informed a little bit by your kids' habits. You know, there are 12-year-olds who are, like, deep into TikTok, um, and you want to know what they're doing there and what it looks like. Mm -hmm. I would say by 12 or 13, keep a very close eye, and you're probably starting to have this conversation. But again, that's the beauty of saying, like, hey, tell me what you think, because Mm -hmm. you're going to get a barometer of where you are in the conversation um, there's, it's really quite remarkable, like the bridge that happens from 14 into 15. Having this conversation with 15-year-olds could not be more different than having this conversation mm. with 12-year-olds. What do you mean? 
by 15, I mean, this is so cool, Rena. This is why I'm obsessed with teenagers. By 15 or 16, they're like, well, it's really complicated. You know, that, um, of course, girls are certainly allowed to display their bodies any way they like. And that doesn't mean that people have it within their rights to say things that are inappropriate. And yet at the same time, it can seem quite attention seeking. I mean, like that is literally how 15 and 16 year olds can talk about it. Yeah. And so that's, again, why the conversation, like, you need to keep the lines of communication open because you're going to have one kind of conversation with your 12-year-old about this, another right. with 13, 14, 15, 16. And you just always want to be coming back and checking in and seeing where their thinking is. And not that I'm – I don't love that so much of kids' time is now spent on social media. I, I, I really hate that that's been an upshot of the pandemic. But – if you have to make the most of it, which I kind of think you have to make the most of it sometimes, what you're starting to open up are entire conversations around objectification and questions of self-objectification and if something like that is even possible and who yeah. gets to say what to whom and what's too sexy for public consumption. These are really deep, powerful, important conversations that we need to have with our daughters, that we need to have with our sons. And for better or for worse, TikTok serves these conversations up. Mm -hmm. What do you find over the years of, of dealing with this issue with your patients? What really works in getting through to these kids? You talk about sort of that 12, 13 age where cognitive behavior hasn't really solidified. What works when you're trying to get them to understand your point of view? I think the best thing always is to appeal to them as though they are wise, even oh. if they are not always seeming wise. And so if a parent feels the need to limit this, which I could certainly see a parent feeling like, you know what, I really do not need my kid with all of this extra time making nonstop, you know, sexy videos. I, that is really not my wish for my kid. So if a parent needs to say, look, I'm putting some boundaries around this, like you can only be on TikTok X amount and I need to be able to see what you're making, you know, some attempt along those lines. What I think really works is to explain why and to appeal to the most thoughtful and mature side of your kid. So to me, what that explanation would look like is um, to start with this idea. I think it's not true that Aristotle said this, but like this idea of something like we become what we repeatedly do. Have you ever heard that <laughs> yes. quote? Yeah. Okay. So I think people attribute it to Aristotle. I don't think it I think in truth, I don't, I think people say like, yeah, it's the spirit of what he said. But anyway, so, so just for accuracy on that. But I do think there's a lot to be said for thinking in that way, that the thing we, things we spend tons of time on start to really shape who we are. Yeah. So what I would say to any kid where you feel like you have to put some parameters around this, I would say, look, you become what you repeatedly do. And what you're doing is it's a performance. It is literally superficial like it is literally your exterior on display for other people for their gratification and attention yeah and i get it that that's a lot of what you and your friends are doing and i get it that may be part of how you plug into the social network but if this is where all of your time is going then your world is being shaped around the most superficial aspect of who mm. you are wow and you're a really neat and interesting kid. Like, you're really into that book series, or you're really an incredible big sister, or you're learning how to knit or do that funny craft that you love. And so I'm going to put some limits on this because it should only be a slice of the part of yourself that you're developing. And 
you should really, and what I want for you, and what I know you want for yourself, right? Sort of, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, is that you're developing all of the complex and interesting aspects of yourself that cannot possibly be captured on TikTok. Wow. I love how you were always advocating to open those lines of communication and, and not coming down on them hard, you know, keeping it open. Because if I didn't have you in my life, I think I would have probably got the handle mom who can't go to Ibiza and then start wearing <laughs> suggestive things online and, and showing them. And, and, and But that, that clearly is not a strategy, winning strategy, I would assume. <laughs> I don't think so, but it's okay. It's okay. And I really, I do believe in open lines of communication. I also believe in you're still the grown up and you still get to say, you know what, enough with the TikTok already. Like, yeah. I don't like what you're putting up. It's making me super uncomfortable. Like, I'm not quite sure what to do with it right this minute, but it does feel like we need to have a broader conversation. I'd almost say, like, think about moving your weight back and forth between two feet. And on one foot is the, hey, kiddo, I'm super curious and I want to understand this the way you see it. And the other foot is, you know, at some level, we're going to have to put some, some governors around this, some limits around this, because it's not who you are and it's not the depth and complexity of who you want to be. And so let's not spend a whole lot of energy on something that is so utterly surface when yeah. you've got so much depth. Yeah, th- that's great. That's great to, to get the conversation going and, and keep it going, which is sometimes hard, keeping the conversation going. <laughs> yes. So we've got a fantastic book giveaway that's just so timely for this topic, too. You know, let's give away a couple copies of Under Pressure, which I wrote. Love it. And in that book, I do spend time thinking about the pressure girls feel to um, be attractive, be cute, um, display themselves for the world. And I do think through on the page there how we might talk with them about the um, inside versus outside of who they are. And so we'll we'll give away a couple copies. I'll sign them and send them off to our winners. Great. I love it. And as always, you just have to like the page on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn and post a comment and tag a friend and one, uh, two people would uh, be the lucky winners of a, of a copy. And what do you have for us for parenting to go? One of the most gracious things we can do as parents, and one of the most important things, is to apologize to our kids when we owe them an apology. And I think of this today because it's not unusual when we first see a kid maybe wearing a really um, revealing outfit or putting up a post on TikTok that is, um, whoa, you know, kind of catches us off guard. It's not unusual to be like, what have you done? You look like a tramp, you know, something like that. It's That's a very um, hair trigger reaction in any <laughs> parent who's really paying attention can have that feeling. And that doesn't get things off to the right start. And it can feel really, really bad to the kid. And so if you have started down this path, it's okay because you can fix it. And the way to fix it is to say, you know, I owe you an apology. I had a very strong reaction when I saw your video or that outfit, and I don't think it helped you. Um, and I do want to think this through with you, but I just want to apologize for the fact that I reacted as strongly as I did. I don't think that was fair to you. It is critical that we model for kids that we make mistakes 
and we own mistakes and we can step back from them and think about how that mistake landed on the other person and that we can make it right. We do not undermine our authority when we do this. In fact, I am sure that it helps us to maintain our authority for us to say, I was wrong, I made a mistake, and I owe you an apology. We never think of it as maintaining our authority by saying sorry to your children. No, but I think that's what keeps people from doing it, is that they worry that somehow they'll compromise their authority, and usually it's the opposite. So true. Wow. Well, thank you. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.